and welcome to episode 67 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. This is one I'm really excited about, Shane, the Starter yeah. Telescope Edition. Yeah, me too. Um, and I know you've been kind of going down this path for uh, a relative of yours recently. And yeah. um, I think it's good timing with Christmas coming up and people may be looking for some gift ideas. So uh, I'm Chris and joining me is Shane and we are amateur astronomers and we just do astronomy for the fun of it. And this podcast is how we share the fun of amateur astronomy uh, with you, the listener. We're not professionals. We're just people that like to go out and, and look at the sky. And uh, yeah, that's really just about it. So in this episode, we'll talk about telescopes, mounts, and eyepiece recommendations for getting started. Um, and so that people know, we go into a lot more detail in sort of each one of these things. So the different types of telescopes, different types of mounts and different eyepieces are all covered in previous episodes. So this is really just focused on the getting started bit. But if you're wondering about different types of telescopes, we've already done some podcasts on those, I think, Shane. Yeah, we've covered off some, um, you know, buying, I think, I think we've done sort of a, like a telescope primer, like uh, buying your yeah. first one. And we've talked a lot about eyepieces and, and various, you know, other gear. So definitely check the backlog if you want a little more detail on some of that stuff. But this one's, I think we're going to be, a, and we are, we're going to try to be a little bit more uh, specific. And you uh, had sent me a link um, or, or sent me an image from the most recent copy of Sky News, which is a Canadian astronomy magazine. But one of the writers in there uh, is Alan Dyer, and he's somebody uh, you and I know well in the in the local amateur astronomy community and in our neck of the woods, as as he often attends the same star parties as us, and uh, and he had done uh, this really uh, really good article on picking out telescopes, and uh, I didn't know what you thought about that article and his recommendation, Shane. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good article. I have a lot of respect for Alan. He's a, an amazing uh, astrophotographer, maybe one of the best in the world. And um, also a great observer. He's yeah. a co-author of um, the Backyard Observer's Guide. Uh, I think that's the name of it with Terrence Dickinson. Backyard um, Astronomer's Guide, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we've referenced that a number of times. So, you know, I, I definitely respect Alan's point of view. He's He's tested and used more gear than I'll probably ever own. So when he comes, yeah, yeah. So so when he comes out with a recommendation, um, yeah, you know, I I definitely, um, you know, I put a lot of weight uh, on it. So yeah, I thought it was a really good article. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and I like I like his choices. Yeah, and so he went through a few different uh, different telescopes, and uh, I don't want to muddy the water too much, but. Um, he seemed to indicate, and, and if people want, they can go and buy a copy of Sky News off, off their bookshelf, but he indicated that the uh, Explorer Scientific First Light 80 um, was, was the best choice. Uh, it seemed to be amongst, amongst the ones that, uh, that, he, uh, that he had selected. But um, for me, anyway, I'm going to go in a little bit of a, of a different uh, direction here today, but didn't know if you had any further thoughts on that. Um, maybe one thing I'll mention that when we talk about beginner telescope, I think it's more about a price point that we're referring to as opposed to um, quality, you know, like um, I don't want people to get the impression that a beginner telescope is like a disposable thing. Um, the, the, the equipment that you and I are going to talk about here today and, and probably recommend is stuff that while it's a beginner telescope, it can also be your entire lifetime telescope yeah. and give you immense pleasure. So you know, like I think with some hobbies, when you hear the word beginner, you sort of associate it with like a lesser quality product. And that's not the case here necessarily. Now you can always climb the ladder of quality, but just understand that these are still really, really good instruments that can show you a lot of things and probably, probably show you more things than you have time in your life to observe. Yes. And so, and while there's, there's nothing wrong with any of the telescopes that, that Alan talks about and many of the other recommendations, other well-known uh, people and, and magazines and books might recommend. Um, one of the challenges that I see with a lot of the instruments is that they are a compromise of sorts. And, uh, and one like for adults, for example, is often the tripods are, are very low. So you're gonna wanna use like some sort of chair in that. Um, 
and to get a more comfortable view. And typically they don't come with enough eyepieces. And oftentimes the mounts really aren't interchangeable or, or flexible enough to use with, with different instruments. So um, I kind of formed my opinion and my recommendation and actually what I'm going through right now and, and getting a telescope together for my nephew um, around uh, my thoughts on this and what I think will make um, him as successful as he can be as a, as a really, um, he's really into science and just not sure where he wants to go with science. So uh, much better at, uh, at a very young age than I am at a very old age. So anyway, um, first things first though, you know, always have to say this, if people are just getting into astronomy at all, um, they should own a copy of Terence Dickinson's Night Watch. That is the best getting started guide um, I think that's ever been written. There's been lots of great books, but certainly his is the high watermark. It is absolutely the best. Um, you get a red flashlight or you make one out of a small, uh, maybe disposable flashlight, or you get a really cheap one and just put some red duct tape, cellophane, or paint the, the lens uh, red with, uh, with nail polish or something, uh, but make it red so that your eye stays dark, dark adapted while you're using uh, the star charts in Terrence Dickinson's Night Watch. And get a small pair of seven or eight power binoculars that aren't really any bigger than 80 or maybe 50 millimeters at the largest. And uh, anyway, I get the book first and he explains all this in great detail, but I, I did just want to say that uh, at first as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great recommendation. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So this kind of started about a year ago. Um, I went home and uh, back to the East coast and took my little 60 millimeter uh, refractor with me, which is uh which is a really good little 60 millimeter. And uh, my nephew was blown away. And, and I didn't realize this because it's been a couple of years since I was home, but he is extremely math oriented and, uh, and has a really wicked sense of humor. And, uh, and also like he's been attending like science camps and anything sciencey, he, he kind of gets his head around anything with numbers. So he enjoys sports, but he almost enjoys like, like the statistics of the sports Mm -hmm. as much or maybe even more than the sports themselves and he's gotten into like weather and all this all this other stuff and i find it quite uh quite great chatting with him so i thought uh and it's not really like a surprise or anything i'm, I'm going to put together something for him but um before we go much further i see if you start looking um you'll see a lot of recommendations um for beginner telescopes and probably the most recommended one seems to be the five inch or 130 millimeter reflector. Like I think there's one called the Heritage 130 uh, by Astronomers Without Borders. Um, there's also one by uh, Skywatcher, which is uh, one of the most widely available brands in Canada anyway. Um, and, and there's a lot of other 130 millimeter reflectors out there. And I think these are, these are really good choices for older teens and, and adults. There's also tiny 76 millimeter versions. Um, and I, I, it sounds like they're pretty good too. Um, but for me in my situation, I, th this wasn't going to be my first choice for my nephew for a couple of reasons. One, um, I'm not really a big fan of the tabletop mounted telescopes. I, I think that presents, uh, its own set of challenges and as well with the reflectors, you do need to line them up now for an older teen, maybe, maybe somebody that was 16 or older, um, that, that was willing to spend a little bit more time and learn how to align the optics and that sort of thing. I think, I think those 130 millimeter are really good. And if somebody's handy at all, I see lots of uh, plans and, and different things you can do to make like a, basically like a little tabletop uh, tripod that goes with those. Uh, and that seems, that seems pretty neat, but to try to send that down to my, to my nephew, that's a little bit younger than that. I thought uh, I might be presenting more of a challenge. Um, then fun, right? You know, and yeah, I want it to be very yeah. fun. So anyway, for, for sure. Yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts, Shane, before we get going here? Um, so I'm a big believer that, uh, refractors are the way to go. You know, I started in this hobby with reflectors, love them, use them a lot. Yeah. Um, but I love the simplicity of a refractor, um, without, you know, a refractor, you just set it up and you observe, uh, the reflectors, like you mentioned, there's a little bit more involved. Um, you have to align the mirrors. Now, once you figure that out, it, it, it is very simple and it doesn't yep. take much time, but you, you know, you have to do it every time you use it, yep. or at least every time you transport it. And then depending what you buy for a reflector, 
Yeah. Um, like I fell into the aperture fever, you know, so I started with an eight inch sky watcher. Then I moved on to a 12 inch mead uh, light bridge. Um, and the aperture is nice, but wow, does it ever introduce a lot of other factors? Like yeah. it's much more stuff to transport. It's bigger. Um, it's bigger to store. It's heavier. There's a lot of factors that go into it, which just started to um, kind of annoy me actually. So, so I moved away from them, but that's just my personal bias. Um, yeah. You know, you're going, I think, to talk about a, a refractor recommendation for a beginner scope or first scope. So I'm, yeah. I'll stay away from the refractor side and I will talk okay. about the reflector side because I've been there okay. and I really enjoyed it. So, um, and I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want me to kick that off or do you sure. want to go first? Okay. Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. So you mentioned, um, the heritage 130, um, which is a, a really neat telescope made by Skywatcher. Um, now there's another one that if, uh, if you were going to, you like go down that heritage path, um, there's a, there's also a 150 millimeter. So a, a six inch, and that's probably the one that I would go with now caveat okay. here. I've never used any of them, so I, I'm not sure exactly how well they function, but I know the reviews are really, really positive. Yeah. Um, and you, just so, just so we kind of bring it along, you started, I think with an eight inch reflector and so did I. Yeah. Yeah. Many, yep. many years ago. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I probably used that thing for, oh gee, three or four years at least before I upgraded to a 12 inch. And then I used the 12 inch for probably about the same amount of time at least, yep. and then uh, switched over to refractors. Um, but a six inch uh, Newtonian will, will show you an immense amount of detail and yeah. uh, allow you to, to really soak up uh, some deep sky objects. Um, what's really neat about these heritage telescopes is their portability. Now they like the upper tube assembly just slides down. So they're not so long. And, and then so there's, the, there's a six inch version of the heritage. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the 150. That's the one I would personally okay. go with. All right. I um, didn't know that sounds like a good recommendation. And, and what are we talking about for cost here on this? Uh, I think it's, th it's $390 Canadian. It comes okay. with a couple of eyepieces. So out of the box, you're, you're ready to go. Uh, it comes with a 25 millimeter and a 15 millimeter eyepiece, um, which uh, give you pretty decent magnifications for that telescope. Um, what else was I going to say about this? Oh, um, like the, the tabletop mount, uh, you mentioned some, some reservations about it. And they're warranted uh, because what you end up doing is you set this telescope obviously on a table or some, you know, some sort of structure um, so that it comes up to your um, eye level so you can observe comfortably. In doing that, you introduce a new variable like the table um, to introduce vibrations, which can be a problem. So mm -hmm. as long as you have a solid base to set it on, uh, you can overcome that. But the nice thing is that this, this is so portable, like it's so tiny, you can put it in probably any vehicle um, and, and travel to a dark site. You can move it around your backyard, you know, to get around obst obstacles. Um, so from that aspect, it, you know, it, it, it's really, really good that way. Um, and, and I like that a lot. Now, if you don't have a steady table, though, you're probably going to be frustrated with this because... Yeah. As soon as you, you know, go to focus an eyepiece or, or just nudge the telescope to track an object, you're going to end up with vibrations, which will drive you crazy, um, which is actually sort of a, uh, an underlying thing that everybody has to be on the lookout for with any telescope is um, telescope slash mount slash tripod uh, is the amount of vibrations it either has or doesn't have. Because um, for me, vibrations just drive me insane. I, I can't. I, I don't like them. Okay. Um, so the safer play is to get a proper Dobsonian uh, reflector, either a six inch or an eight inch. Now, uh, I think an eight inch will probably be around 600 Canadian dollars. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you go, you can go with Skywatcher, Orion, um, there's probably a few others out there. They're all basically the same. Um, usually what I recommend is look at the feature package uh, because that's sometimes where they vary. You know, you might get a finder with one and, and not the other, or you might get a Barlow with one and not the other. Um, so, you know, just try to find one that comes with the best features at the best price. 
Um, but like an eight inch, uh, even a six inch, a six inch or an eight inch will give you a lifetime of observing. They're fantastic instruments. Uh, I still, there's still some days I actually regret selling my eight inch, uh, Skywatcher reflector. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me, and, and this is also, you know, in combination with some good skies, but that eight inch gave me the best views of Andromeda and, uh, the, uh, Swan Nebula that I've ever had. Um, yeah. it, it was a fantastic telescope. Like I say, I just got sucked into the aperture fever and, uh, I kind of regret that actually. I, I really wished I would have just stuck with that eight inch. Like, don't get me wrong. I loved my 12 inch. It showed me, you know, spiral arms in some galaxies, uh, some incredible detail in some nebula, but it really is hard to, uh, beat the eight inch because the other nice thing is in my backyard, I would set it down. I would set it up. I would observe. And then if I wanted to see something where maybe a tree was blocking it, I could just pick this thing up and move it to another part of my yard and continue observing. Yeah. Um, and it was very transportable at, you know, at that time, I think I had a little four door sedan and it fit in that quite easily uh, to haul to a dark site. So it, it really, to me, the eight inch is the best blend of portability, but getting some sizable aperture. Anything yeah. over eight inch uh, to transport it, if it's not a truss style dubs or a reflector, um, you're going to probably need at least an SUV. Um, and even if it is a truss style, like what people underestimate, and, and you and I have talked about this, is the size of the Dobsonian mount. Like mm-hmm. they're quite, they're quite large. And, yeah. um, you know, a, like a 10 inch Dobsonian mount may not fit in some small vehicles very easily or at all. So, yeah. So for that, yeah, that, I think the, the eight inch is really the best blend of kind of all worlds. Yeah. That's, that's a good point because I started with, with an eight inch and, um, you have to imagine if, if people are familiar with like a lazy Susan, um, it's kind of like a lazy Susan with, with a bit of a, uh, wooden box built on top of it. And that's, you know, called the rocker box. Um, but with my eight inch, the, the bottom of it was so, uh, large, like the circle that you put on the ground that I actually couldn't leave it attached. So I had to take that apart when I took my eight inch out to, to a dark. So it wasn't a big deal, but you kind of had to, you know, take that board and put it down and then sort of screw in the rocker box. It wasn't that big a deal, but, uh, uh, but anyway, it, it, it still did require, um, a bit of assembly once, once I got to a dark site, but you're right. I mean, the eight inch does give a big bang for the buck, but did you have anything else to add about your recommendation? Maybe just one other, uh, note here is, um, you know, one of our listeners, uh, Phil, um, has a 76 millimeter first scope and, um, he has, you know, gave, uh, um, sent us many messages about his usage of it. And that thing sounds like a really, really good telescope. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's able to see the planets, uh, some detail within the planets. And the thing is, is it's so small and portable. You know, that one you could probably fit in a backpack yeah. and uh, take it just about anywhere you go. Um, Phil did do a little bit of, uh, I shouldn't say a little, he's done a lot of modifications to it to improve its performance. Yeah. It's very um, cool. Yeah. And it looks great. But, um, the neat thing about those little 76 millimeter first scopes is like, I think brand new, you can probably buy them. Maybe correct me here, Chris, but I think it's like $75. I've even Canadian. seen them for 50 bucks. So yeah. 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 And, it, and it's like, pretty affordable. I think I've seen them used on Kijiji for like $20. Uh, yeah. You just can't beat that in terms of the performance that you would get. So yeah, I think um, if somebody was at like a very bare bones uh, budget or for whatever reason, just, I think like with Phil, he, he'd been into astronomy and out and then gone back in. I think many of us have been through that and, and just was, I'm just going to get this and you know, it's only 50 bucks and uh, bring it in the house and it's not going to occupy that much room. And, and you can, you get in a lot of bang for the buck there. And I think, I think if somebody really was on a super, super limited budget or just didn't want to spend the money or just didn't have the room, maybe they're in an apartment or something, uh, that can certainly work really well. Yeah. And one thing I appreciate about Phil's approach is uh, he appreciates the challenge of, of taking an inexpensive telescope and turning it into something really robust and, and, and something that shows some really good images, plus also the challenge of just observing with a smaller aperture telescope, like a 76 millimeter uh, Newtonian, 
um, you have that central obstruction. So it's probably running more at like 50 millimeters ish yeah. of effective aperture. Um, so to, um, to, to do observing with some, something like that, not only is it challenging, but I think it really improves your observing skills because if yeah. you start to be able to, you know, find objects and then also see detail with that aperture, when you move to something like an 80 millimeter or, or anything larger, really, you're going to be blown away and, and yeah. you're going to be that much further ahead in terms of your observing ability. Yeah. Well, that sounds, you know, that sounds really good. I think we covered the reflectors perfectly yeah. here. Yeah, you take over now for the refractors. So I love refractor telescopes. And there's there's a couple reasons for that. So I like you, Shane, I started with reflectors. Um, but what happened was, uh, you know, and I had an eight inch. Um, and I remember when I ordered it. And I originally, the way I came to the eight inches, I had gone down to the, to the States and bought uh, an eight inch. And, and I went to... Um, a place in New Hampshire, uh, I think it was like Wolf's Camera or something like that. Anyway, that was the closest telescope shop to me. And uh, and just before they hit like, you know, the purchase on the sale, like we had it at the counter and everything, they said, what car do you have? And let's make sure it fits. And so we took it out and it actually would not fit in my vehicle. And so <laughs> I very disappointedly dragged it back in with them and we put it away. And I, I bought a, a set of Burnham's Celestial Handbook and a few other books and uh and left. And I, I was just very, very down about that. But um, that was sort of lesson one with the reflector is uh, they are really big. And so then uh, after I got home and a few more months passed, uh, I, I went and purchased one online. And uh, and when it came to to my folks house, because I, I was just at university at the time, um, my mom said, did, did you order like a coffin or something? Because this box came and it's huge. And so uh, <laughs> Because the telescope that I bought, I think I originally had bought maybe a six-inch f/8 when I was down in the states, and this one was a an eight-inch f/6, same length, but um, just an order of magnitude larger. And and the one that I purchased later was a newer model, which just happened to be a little bit larger anyway. And uh, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe how big it was. I was excited in that, but almost. And and you mentioned this maybe in another podcast or just in our own personal conversations you almost get intimidated by the sheer size of the thing. It is mm -hmm. a big instrument. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then what happened is um, I went through university using that telescope and finished and sort of had, uh, had my off year and, and did some sort of random work and, and whatever, and, uh, and used that telescope a lot. And I went to a star party that summer and I actually won the grand prize, which was a $100 gift certificate to a telescope store that doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, you know, I just sort of put that on the shelf and never really thought that much about it, really appreciated it, but wasn't really sure what I wanted to get. And I was uh, going back to school. And uh, as I was planning to go back to school, I was like, I'm not going to be able to take this giant telescope with me because the apartment ahead was on the ninth or 10th floor of an apartment building. And it just wasn't going to happen. Right. Like I mm -hmm. tried to figure out a bunch of different ways. So I was like, this is, this is not happening. And I didn't have much of a budget. Um, but I, I kind of went on to see like, well, can you even get a telescope for a hundred dollars? And it turned out that you could. And so um, I simply bought one of these without knowing that much about them because it was the absolute most inexpensive telescope I could get. Um, and that was an 80 millimeter F five refractor. And now mine wasn't one of these, but, but they're commonly referred to as an ST 80 by the, mm -hmm. the original make and model. But most manufacturers have a version of these, including uh, Skywatcher. And um, these little refractors are awesome for many reasons I'm going to get into, but um, you know, typically if you, if you buy them as a package, they're not going to come with, with my recommendations. So my budget was very limited. So I bought that. I already had a, a good inexpensive tripod and I just put it on that. And then I had a few eyepieces already for my, from my, uh, from my eight inch Dobsonian and I used those on it. So I was kind of able to, to get by, I think I ended up putting $50 into it and I, and I was ready to rock and roll and, uh, went back to the city and, uh, I use that telescope so much. And, and now really I was taking it with me just to do, you know, sort of stay in the astronomy game while I was at university uh, again. But um, I really came to love that telescope for a few different reasons. One 
is that the field of view was so wide, I could find objects really, really fast. Um, just boom, like I could almost think about the object and find it because I'd already done some astronomy before, but, uh, and, and I was, I was pretty good at finding stuff already, but I just found I could find things so quick with the, with the four degree field of view with, with a low power eyepiece. And then I was really surprised at like what you could see with the planets. And so, um, I guess the measure of success was when I went home at Christmas, I actually bothered to take it back, even though I had the eight inch at home. Um, at my folks' place, I actually brought that back, and I was observing, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the moon transits on Jupiter over over the holiday season. And it, it's such a great telescope because it was very light; you can kind of take it anywhere. It was really easy. I could I could grab it, put it in a bag, grab the tripod, take it down the elevator in, in my apartment building. I would take it up to the roof of my apartment building. Um, sometimes I would, I would go with a friend and one person would carry the tripod, I would carry the telescope and we'd walk to a park that was a few miles away. Um, you're not doing that with an eight inch Dobsonian. So, mm -hmm. um, that telescope, I probably used that as much, uh, in the following two or three years as I, as I used that, uh, Dobsonian in, in the first two or three years. Uh, I just really, really loved it. Just was like nothing to take with me. And just I uh, could find things really fast. I started finding a lot of new things. I figure I would just try to see much of what I saw with the uh, with the eight inch through that, but but end up having a lot more fun. So um, I'm going to break my recommendation down: telescope, tripod mount, and eyepieces. So the telescope I'm going to recommend, although these come in a variety of different flavors and formats, and a lot of different companies put them out. Um, these 80 millimeter f5s, and I think they're all pretty good. I've tried a few over the past year or so, and uh, the best one was the Skywatcher 80 millimeter F5 Travel Star. And the reason I recommend this one is I think it's the only one that comes with the proper diagonal. Um, the rest of them come with prism diagonals and that sort of thing, and they just don't work as well, mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion. And I've tried them, and they just don't. And the diagonal that comes with the Skywatcher version is excellent. The optics and all the other ones are pretty much, they're pretty much the same. Um, but the accessory of getting that proper diagonal uh, is going to save you some money and it's going to make it a better, a better experience. Um, let's see. So that's the telescope, the Skywatcher 80 millimeter F5 travel star. I think that's, that's the one to get. Now that's just an optical tube assembly. And it might even be a special order because you're going you're gonna to go to the telescope store and you're going to see that it comes with a mount or maybe it comes on something else. So they have a different version, but, but you know, it's worthwhile hunting around to try to find just the optical tube assembly should run you somewhere between about $100, $150 Canadian, maybe $99 American. I ended up paying $30 for mine because um, I bought something else. So, so they are around, they are available from a variety of uh, distributors. Anybody that sells the Skywatcher brand should be able to get you one. If that person can't, or that company can't, then uh, just keep calling around. They're, these are not rare instruments at all. Second part is tripod. So um, my recommendation is to get something like just a regular camera tripod. In fact, the one that I use is... Um, uh, a used Manfrotto. I think it's like a one nine or something like that. But anyway, um, you want the three lag section with a center column that you can push up or down. doesn't need to be geared. Um, new, they run about $200, but often used, you can find them for around half that price. And I think most of my camera tripods are used. And this is just a camera tripod. And really any good quality camera tripod should work. And a lot of people out there may already have a camera tripod. So that's one of the reasons why I'm going down this road is that a really good camera tripod and the mount head I'm going to recommend next are probably going to be way better than any mount that, uh, that an inexpensive telescope comes with. And you're going to be maybe just a little bit higher on the price, but it's going to be well worth it in the end. So moving along, the mount that I recommend, and this is, this is key. So the telescope is around a hundred or so dollars. The tripod, if you're going to buy it new, is about 200. I wouldn't bother doing that. Just go to a camera store. All camera stores sell used tripods. You can walk in the door, find a Manfrotto 190. It's probably about the most common tripod you can get and buy that one. Um, and you'll probably save a hundred bucks. Uh, you can find them used online and everything. And there's lots of great inexpensive camera tripods. But the mount that I recommend, this is the part that goes on top of the tripod that the telescope is going to sit in. This is going to be your most expensive part. It's called an AZ or AZ. 
depending on which way you're, you're coming from, but the AZ5. And it's not inexpensive. It's about $300, but it's a really good mount. And you can use this for a long time into the future. It's by Skywatcher. It does come with an option to buy it with a steel tripod. If you aren't going to be dragging that telescope on trips or anything like that, the steel tripod is worth getting. Um, but if you need portability at all, that steel tripod, and I actually have the steel tripod for this, it is a monster. <laughs> so uh, know that it's not really a portable tripod um, that I would call. Uh, portable, like the, like the deal that we're setting up with uh, today. So um, this is going to run about $300 Canadian, slightly less, uh, you know, if you're, if you're somewhere else there, they seem to be more widely available in Britain and Europe and that sort of thing. Um, so you're not going to, you're not going to spend as much. So, so this is really like a five or $600 setup. Now the Skywatcher 80 millimeter F5 travel star often does come with eyepieces um, and if, if it does, those are going to just be serviceable. But what I'm going to recommend you do is if, if possible, get a 32 millimeter Plossel almost doesn't matter the brand. They're all about the same. I end up getting a Skywatcher, Skywatcher here in Canada tends to be a little cheaper. I really like the Skywatcher stuff. And, uh, and so I got a 32 millimeter Plossel. and then I have uh, a five millimeter and a 12 millimeter paradigm coming from AstroTech via a company called Astronomics in the States who they sponsor and run the Cloudy Nights uh, forum. So uh, if you're a forum member there, you actually get a little discount when you order from them. It kind of helps pay for, for shipping really. But uh, anyway, I appreciate all, all that they do. So the telescope itself, this, this is actually the lowest budget people will, will quickly realize. Um, and so the telescope doesn't have to be the most uh, expensive thing and even used. And you can find these, uh, if you look up ST80 or ST80 type telescopes, um, you can find these used for, and I looked them up uh, before the Shane, you told me to be uh, cautious of, of giving recommendations without the pricing. Uh, $50 will get you one of these 80 millimeter F5 used <laughs> on uh, any number. And these are, these are widely, widely available. Um, Astrobicell, Astromart, Cloudy Nights Classifieds, Kijiji, the list goes on and on. eBay, um, $50, give or take, is, is a pretty good going price for them used. And they're all about the same. Um, you can even buy a book on the ST80 from Springer. And like I said, I like the Skywatcher. Like they may come with different components. Make sure you get the one with the star diagonal. And uh, it also comes with a, uh, a mounting plate. So you don't need to worry about that. And I was able to balance it with most of my eyepieces that I use. So that was really nice. So why do I like the 80 millimeter? The 80 millimeter gives you a binocular like field of view. It gives you about a four degree field of view. Uh, many binoculars give you about five. So it's not much smaller than a binocular, but unlike the binoculars, you can actually see craters on the moon. You can see the moons of Jupiter and the bands of Jupiter really, really well and very easy. And then you can see the rings of Saturn. You can also see some detail in deep sky objects. Um, the telescope is low power enough that you can see the full, almost the fuller or getting close to the full extent of the Andromeda uh, galaxy. So that's really cool to see. You can see like the, all of the open clusters in the double cluster. You can see big parts of constellations and it's really easy to find things because um, it's so low power. So you can use a finder scope. I think they come with a little red dot finder, but these telescopes are so low power and have such a wide field when you use the 32 millimeter Plossel with them that you really don't need a finder scope with them. It's kind of like you're, you buy one eyepiece as the finder and the other two eyepieces you use for, for higher and higher power. Um, yeah, so let's see. Yeah, the tripod, um, like I said, just get a Manfrotto uh, tripod, buy a used one. I think is the best recommendation. That's what I've always done. And the ASIN 5, it has the uh, three eight inch uh, threaded hole. So it goes on any photographic tripod, not astronomical tripods. So that's one thing to keep in mind, but I think that gives you more flexibility. I really like that option. Even though I've been doing this for a while, I like to be able to, um, to go and like I have mounts that have uh, the three inch hole uh, just for the regular standard tripod. I like to fly in somewhere and sometimes I'll just go and buy uh, a used tripod. I just walk into a camera store and say, where are used tripods? And sometimes like 50, 60 bucks 
uh, you can pick up a really nice used tripod and and take it back to the camera store and sell it for thirty or forty dollars when you're done your your trip and uh, and you're only out ten or twelve bucks and and you've been able to uh, to save on maybe an extra luggage fee and and that sort of thing or or whatever give it away to somebody while you're there uh, eyepieces there's there's a variety of different eyepieces. Um, I focus on eyepieces that give comfort. So I'm going to go through three sets really quick. Set one, this is your budget set. There's um, these 66 degree wide fields that are out there. They're made by a variety of different companies. SV, Boney is, is one, uh, but they're also rebranded under BST, Skywatch, or the list goes on and on. But if you just ask for like a six millimeter and 20 millimeter 66 degree um, you can find those. You can just look those up online. You can typically find them for about $35 US. The next is those TMB uh, planetaries that, uh, that Phil was talking about in one of our other episodes. And I recommend getting like a five millimeter for planets and maybe like the 20 or 25 millimeter for, for low power finding stuff and then enjoying the, the wide field deep sky and then the five millimeter would pretty much just be for, for planets in the moon. And that would certainly uh, get you going. And I think they start to retail for around uh, 50 or so dollars uh, American. Again, they, they come under a variety of different brands, BSD, Skywatcher, House Brands. Um, and they have a, a, a pretty much about a 58 or 60 degree um, field of view. And those, those TMBs work really well um, with eyeglasses too. And then the third set, and this is what I've uh, gone with, is to get a 32 millimeter Plossel from Skywatcher. I was able to get one on sale for about $30 Canadian. Um, less than $25 American is really good. Um, gives a four degree field of view with the 80 millimeter. And then I bought a five and a 12 millimeter Paradigm Dual ED eyepiece. These are $60 American. Uh, again, you can get them under a variety of different house brands, um, BST, um, and some other uh, companies. Uh, Telescope Service in Europe has them as well, um, and they run around sixty or so dollars uh, American and get and get uh, pretty good uh, reviews as probably about the best quality, um, you know, entry level eyepieces that are very comfortable to look. For to look through. So all of these have around a 60 or so degree field of view. So that gives a very wide field of view. So it's easy to find stuff. And then once you get it, it's going to stay in the field of view for a long time. And these are all really comfortable eyepieces to look through. I've looked through all of these. And um, for the most part, you can use glasses. And, uh, and that means that you're, you're not pressing your eye against the lens. And the quality on these is, uh, is very good. And really, these are probably all that you need unless you get really, really into this. Um, and then even then, like you're going to want a lot of experience before you notice the difference between these and, and maybe like a top tier eyepiece. But, but altogether, you're probably looking, depending on, on the different channels, so you can probably cobble all this together used if you went used. And all this stuff is widely available on the uh, used um websites for astronomy gear, whether it's AstroBicell, whether it's AstroMart, or whether it's the Clydonites Classified, or even you can find these even on your local, in Canada, we have Kijiji. All this stuff you can find very, very easily on, on websites used, and those are great routes to go. Probably if you did that, you can probably be into this for maybe uh, 250 or $300, which is about the same cost as buying a brand new beginner telescope, but unlike a brand new beginner telescope, this is going to give you the best chance of success with astronomy, in my opinion. Comment, Shane. Yeah, yeah. No, all good uh, recommendations there. Some comments. Um, if you are buying a tripod, um, take a look at what it's rated for um, and, and understand how heavy like your setup will be. So your setup would be the mount, the telescope, the diagonal, the eyepiece, all of that stuff factor or add up all of that weight. And then I usually like to get a tripod that is rated for at least double that amount because a 40 pound tripod for, or a tripod that's rated to haul 40 pounds. If you actually load it up with 40 pounds for astronomy, you're going to hate it. It will be full of vibrations. So you always want to kind of over gear or, or get a tripod that far exceeds your actual 
uh, weight rating that you'll be putting on it. Um, regarding amount, I love the AZ5 recommendation. I think that's a really good amount. My comment there would be, um, I strongly recommend for a beginner to stay away from the electronic go-to mounts um, for a number of good reasons. Advice. Number, Yeah, number one is... Um, you know, this is one area where if you're not spending a lot of money, you may just end up being more frustrated uh, with the go-to mount than you actually get pleasure out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 your overall investment now, a lot more of it's being directed to the electronics. And when it comes to uh, observing with a telescope, you really should direct that money to the optics or, the, you know, that part of the uh, uh, investment. Um, yeah. and then you have to haul batteries around. It doesn't work well in cold weather because, you know, the, the hand pad will freeze up sometimes. And what I find kind of amusing too, is, you know, often with these beginner scopes with uh, go-to mounts, they will advertise, they being the telescope manufacturer will advertise, you know, a database of 20,000 objects or, or some ridiculous number, but it's with a 80 millimeter compound telescope. So your ability to see maybe even a thousand of those objects is, is probably very questionable because of the small aperture. Um, yeah. And then the last reason is you just don't learn the night sky with a go-to mount. Uh, yeah. And to me, that's one of the pleasures of astronomy is not only being able to identify the constellations, but knowing where objects are within the constellations. And really, I think the only way to do that for most people, at least with me, is to like manually find them, you know, look in my, my sky atlas and then go to the telescope and locate it. So for those reasons, I say, stay away from a go-to. Now they are pretty cool. They are pretty fun. Um, and, and the tracking is really nice, but that's probably more of a down the road thing. If you uh, yeah. really want to get into it. And if you just, you know, if you believe you need it right off the start, um, you know, I, I think I would say probably look at um, some of the like uh, Schmidt Cassegrains from uh, Celestron or Mead, um, you know, you're probably looking at least at a thousand dollars or getting very close to that, depending on the aperture, but you'll get something that works well then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and me. the, uh, you know, and, and, and this, this recommendation that I'm making here for the 80 millimeter F5 is such that the field of view is so wide on this, it's really going to facilitate people's, uh, you know, ability to find things very easily. So it's really going to help you. You put that 32 millimeter plossel in this, it gives you a four degree field of view, really close to like a binocular field of view. Like I, I said at the very start, you want to start with a pair of binoculars, Terrence Dickinson's Nightwatch, you graduate to this 80 millimeter F5. That's really going to bring you into the world of astronomy. I think it's going to create a lot of success there because the field of view is uh, marginally smaller than the binoculars, um, but you're going to be able to actually see the rings of Saturn, the bands on Jupiter, lots of craters. The moon's going to look like better than a photograph. And, uh, and it's really going to just take you to that next level. Um, and, and I just think you know people will be able to learn how to find things in the nighttime sky with this setup versus a lot of the other things. So a lot of the other time, the mounts that are out there are very tricky, wobbly, and finicky to use. Um, and, and as well, some of the ones, like some of the recommendations that we've seen and, and the recommendations uh, that Alan made are, are very good, um, but those mounts really aren't expandable into the future. It might be difficult to, to resell. And if people don't, don't take this on. So this setup here, like, for example, I'm recommending an 80 millimeter F5. As I make this podcast, I am looking at that telescope. And not only do I have one of these and I'm, I'm giving it away. Um, I actually own another one that I've upgraded with a two inch focuser flocking paper. You've done some work on it. You can actually take these 80 millimeter F5s and do quite a bit with them. And so I think it's a telescope you want to hang on to. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I don't really buy and sell gear as much as, as you and most other people do. Um, but I did sell my original 80 millimeter F5 and I always regretted that because, um, such a small portable light and inexpensive telescope, um, will always, always have a place in an amateur astronomer's, um, uh, sort of, you know, repertoire or, or, or having, having that around. Why, why do I have one now? 
is that uh, we had a couple of years where our public events at, uh, at star parties had rain showers coming through, just very light ones, but we didn't want to take out our more expensive telescopes. And, I, you know, here we are and we've got a sky and we've got people. And so we had to kind of borrow some, some gear from a park to, to do it because, the, you know, the, the show must go on. But I always felt kind of bad that, you know, we didn't have um, telescopes to, to use for, for that event. And uh, simply because we didn't want to put our Takahashi's out and you were going to get some rain on them. Um, but, a, but a telescope that costs $99, uh, you're not going to worry that much about, you know, that, that's going to be okay. And for the people that are coming out to, to look through really like whether it's an 80 millimeter F5 Acromat that costs $100 or, or a Takahashi um, that costs quite a bit more than that. Honestly, most people that have never looked through a telescope before, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. And so the same for the newcomer to astronomy. Um, so I just think this, this is a good recommendation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two more comments from myself. Um, one about the eyepieces. Um, love what you said about all of them. Those SV bony eyepieces uh, are really quite astonishing at how good they are. I purchased some of those for uh, my dad and my brother. I gave them some older telescopes from the 60s that worked really well, but I upgraded the eyepieces. And um, those SV Bonies, um, you know, for $25 to $35, depending on what you're buying, yeah. are just really, really good. Yeah. Um, also yeah. just, you know, Plossels. Yeah. I love Plossels. I think those are great too. And then, um, yeah, the plossels can be good. The, the downside with the plossels is smaller field of view and not as comfortable to look through. Yes, so there's, there's yes. nothing wrong with the view, the view that they provide. Um, but what I'm trying to, to, to present here is what is going to give people the most pleasurable experience and, uh, and the greatest opportunity for success. So for example, mm -hmm. um, and Phil actually mentioned this in, in the bit that we played on the last episode, where he has a four millimeter plossel and that has a small field of view and it's not as comfortable. And then he was so ecstatic and, and you can hear that and it's really great enthusiastic voicemail he left us. Um, but going to a four millimeter TMB, like, like it just opens up the field and it's so comfortable to look through. And th that might be something that people don't realize, like for people that are new to astronomy, sort of all eyepieces, they may think all eyepieces are gonna be the same, but they aren't. And, uh, and often it's not even the cost. Like I have really expensive eyepieces that are super uncomfortable to look through. They're just really good for one or two things. Um, but then like my, my more expensive eyepieces, really what I did is after I used the TMBs myself is I went, you know what, there's something to these. And so when I, when I upgraded, I upgraded to ones that were, that were like those, they're just a little bit, a little bit different, but honestly, the views, uh, aren't, aren't that different. So I think these eyepieces, the, the SV bonies, I think the, um, the other ones, the TMBs. And I think that the paradigms plus just a generic 32 millimeter plossel, everybody should own anyway. And I think these are just going to, going to give people the absolute best opportunity for success, as well as a lot of comfort at the eyepiece to, to really look in and, and take in these views over, uh, over a long period of time. So yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. Add your recommendation, Shane. Sure. Um, so knowing what I know now, you know, of all my years in the hobby and experiences with different equipment, if I was to go out and purchase my first telescope today, the one I would get, we haven't talked about, and I just want to mention it real quickly. Um, it is by Takahashi, but it's not actually made by Takahashi. They contract it out and it's a, it's called the Starbase 80. It's an achromatic telescope. It comes with a tripod. It comes with the mount, two orthoscopic eyepieces, all of which get really good reviews. Um, the telescope, all, you know, all of this stuff, it's a little pricier. Like this is uh, $835 Canadian. Um, and you probably won't be able to walk into a store and buy it. You'll have to order it. And there's probably going to be some time uh, in order to, you know, it arrive to you. Cause I don't think there's a lot of these available right now. Um, but this telescope gets outstanding reviews. Like check it out on cloudy nights. Um, if you want kind of the complete package and, um, you want something again, that probably will have some good resale value. If at some point you want to get rid of it, but also just function exceptionally well, this is the one I would buy. Um, now again, a little more money, yeah. but, uh, I would, I would save my, my, my pennies and, and make this one happen. 
Yeah. And I think that's an excellent recommend recommendation as well. Actually, one of one of the people who attends my class uh, made this recommendation to somebody. I think they did go and get it and had extremely positive things to say as a newcomer to astronomy. So, but but I think with our recommendations, whether it's one of the reflectors that you talked about at the start, the uh, the 80 millimeter F5s in various formats that, that you can get, and then with with the uh, detailed uh, set of equipment that I laid out, um, which might be a little bit of work to put together, but you're gonna be doing that uh, into the future with astronomy anyway, as well as this telescope. These, I think, all represent good opportunities for success because the number one thing that we hear about um, with people who either attend my class or that we meet when we're out doing our public outreach is that with a lot of the telescopes that they've purchased, the usability on those telescopes um, has presented so much of a challenge to them that it's become a barrier to actually doing what they want to do. Oftentimes, people just want to get the instrument and point it at the moon and look at craters. And that is a that is a tremendous thing to be able to do. That's just awesome. Or Mars is at opposition. I want to look at Mars. Um, and and these options that we discussed today all give people a really good chance of success for getting the instrument and then doing that and really learning the amateur astronomy versus trying to get the instrument uh, to actually work in the first place. But I mean, if people do already own one of those instruments, um, there are ways to, to upgrade and modify those. And maybe we can do a separate episode on those after Christmas or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. All right. Good stuff, Shane. Well, um, I really enjoy doing this. It's been an interesting uh, journey kind of back down the path of, of what to pick out for a starter telescope. So uh, thanks so much for your feedback. I, I know it's something you uh, really know a lot about. And I've, I've really learned a lot kind of going back and uh, going back was sort of like more of the same. I went through all the different options and was like, you know what? The 80 millimeter F5, I, I love them. I still use one. Why not recommend the one that I still love? I still use that was one of my first telescopes and will give people the greatest success at, uh, at really doing uh, what they want to do, which is just look at stuff in the nighttime sky and be able to find it easily and then turn the power up. And I, I think these options all give people that opportunity. Yeah, totally agree. It was, it's been a lot of fun and uh, good luck to anybody buying a, a new, you know, a telescope for the first time. And uh, you know, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy it. And, and it's a real exciting process. Yeah. And if people uh, want any other, other advice or recommendations, certainly feel free to reach out to us and Shane will give us that information uh, at the end of the podcast. But thanks so much, Shane. Really appreciate this one. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. It was fun. Take care. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to ask us questions or leave feedback, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Actual Astronomy or you can email us. We are actualastronomy at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the podcast with a donation, uh, we are selling merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash actual astronomy. We wish you all clear and dark skies.